Sailing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. As we've been talking about sailing, of course, that's what we're focusing on since uh, the 19th of January, 2019. It means we're in the last of the last days. As we look at Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Jesus said, when you see that abomination that make it desolate, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then he goes on, uh, he that's on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. The housetop is tabernacles. That's where you go on the housetop and you would build a booth. And uh, there it was a memorial of coming out of Egypt and the Lord making, making provision. And that was three different seasons that the males would go up in these three different seasons each year to present themselves uh, to the place where the Lord had placed his name in Jerusalem. And that was the, that season of Passover, the season of weeks or Pentecost, or in the season of tabernacles. Now we've already been through two seasons. These seasons, it's given for us to know the times and the seasons. First Thessalonians 5, Paul to the church at Thessalonica, stated that. It's given us to know the times and the seasons. Now, that day didn't take us unawares as a thief in the night. Or we're children of the day. We're speaking of the last season, tabernacle, Sukkot, in that there are three feasts. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles in the season of Tabernacles. And it's marked with sevens. And it's in the seventh month. And in that seventh month, we find that Solomon's temple was dedicated in the seventh month, Tishri, Ethneim. We find that Moses' tabernacle, that did not have the pillars, didn't have the three levels. It was just on a ground floor and had an altar burnt offering, a labor, and then going into the sanctuary to the south. We had the, the, the uh, candlestick to the north, uh, the table of shewbread. And then uh, with that, just going just outside that veil, we had the golden censer, the altar of incense. Then within the veil, we had the Ark of the Covenant when there were three things inside that Ark. And one was the tables of stone, uh, the manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. And Paul stated that in the book of Hebrews that there were three things inside the Ark. And that was the tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, the manna, an omer of manna uh, there, and uh, Aaron's rod that budded, uh, referring to the priesthood that he was called as a high priest. These we find in that last season in which it was dedicated in Solomon's temple was dedicated in that seventh month, even though it's completed it was another year before it was dedicated in the, in the uh, uh, that seventh that uh, uh, seventh month. Well, Passover. That was the month that uh, Moses' tabernacle was dedicated in, meaning an embryonic church. Is a shadow of it was an embryonic church that we have uh, the Pentecost. Uh, we had. The first feast, 
which was the feast of Passover, feast of unleavened bread, and feast of first fruits in that first season. Then we have the fourth feast, the feast of weeks, in the second season of Pentecost. Now we're in the third season. We're in the third day. We're in that time that God is going to reveal in perfection sevens. It's the feast of tabernacles. It's the feast of sevens. It's the feast of prophecy. It's a feast of ingathering. You'll hear many, the feast of prophecy. You'll hear many different titles given to it. The feast of sevens, the feast of all feasts. And we find more blood in it than any other feast of the Lord, starting on the 15th day of the seventh month, and you offer 13 bullocks. And then on the next day, the 16th day, you'll offer 12 bullocks. Third day, 11 bullocks. Fourth day, 10 bullocks. Fifth day, uh, nine bullocks. Uh, And then right on down to when you get to the seventh day, seven bullocks. So it goes 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. And then from that day, just one. A total of 70 bullocks there in addition to all the other offerings. They made offerings, they drank on, etc. And there we find that it alludes to that all nations, the 70 nations in the table of nations in Genesis 10, will be literally become the kingdoms of our Lord. And of his Christ, he's already paid the price on the cross for it. All the feasts of the Lord were fulfilled in Jesus Christ and on the cross. And there the Lord has literally bought all the nations and the price for the blood that he shed in those 70 bullocks, a type that he has literally purchased all 70 nations. And all the nations of this world, the kingdoms of this world, will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Now what we want to focus on now is that certain saint. Now, Jesus would say there was a certain man. And then he would go on and uh, tell the proverb or uh, the metaphor or a simile or whatever the case is in teaching the truth in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he said it's likened to. And he would use a metaphor or the kingdom of God is. And uh, or is like a simile. So I use the similes and metaphors. Uh, the greatest teacher uh, that's ever walked the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, he would say there's a certain, when he said certain, always, it would refer to that certain saint. Or there was a certain man. Now we find the beginning of this in the vision that was given to Daniel. And in the last days, we will understand it perfectly. In the last days, in the last days, these days. And we find it's it's a secret. And Daniel, in uh, the second chapter of Daniel, will say over and over, this secret is not revealed unto me because of any of my righteousness or my holiness, etc. And he says, this secret, this secret. And... He is there going to reveal this secret in the seals, trumpets, and vials. It's no more seal. It's open. The time is now. And he will say 
that he will seal up the vision. The vision is a secret. As we see in Daniel 2, and each time that it just, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in the dream, he tells it, and all the wise men, the prognosticators, soothsayers, that if they don't tell him not only the dream, but the interpretation thereof, they will die. And, of course, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in that same group, and they tell Daniel that this king, Nebuchadnezzar, has required this of the wise men. And you'll notice that uh, Arioch, the chamber, comes to Daniel and tells him that this is the decree from the king. Notice that he will say, God's revealing secrets. And you'll see this all the way through the second chapter. And we'll point this out. And he's showing the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will befall the people in the last days. And he calls it a secret. And he says in Daniel 2, verse uh, 18, notice this secret. The dominant thing saying in that second chapter is secret, secret, and it's the vision. And he's going to seal up the vision and the prophecy, the words of the book of this prophecy, that will be the revelation of Jesus Christ. But we have this, given this image to the beast, that the head will be Babylon, of that head of gold, and notice it's a man. But it's a false man. It's a false Christ. And that kingdom, which is the gold, is Babylon. Then he says, then the breast and the arms of silver. Then the loins of brass and the legs of iron and the feet of iron and miry clay, making one complete man. Now, the temple man, as we see, in Solomon's temple will have three layers, not just one. It'll have three. In other words, the whole three feasts of the Lord, the three seasons are revealed in the seven feast, and it's in the seventh month that it's dedicated. And it's very important. And there's three levels there. And there's some differences between Solomon's temple and the tabernacle of Moses. The major difference is the porch of Solomon, the porch of judgment that did not and was not there in the tabernacle of Moses. So therefore, it's on a regular floor of dirt, Moses' tabernacle. And it had an outer court wherein was a brazen altar, the altar of burnt offering. It had the laver with a foot. And then you go through a veil and you come into the sanctuary, the holy place. To the south, you would have the, the seven golden candlestick. And it would have a half egg of beaten olive oil that was prepared that would go into the knobs of the bowls to feed the seven lamps to give light over against the table of shoe bread, the face bread. Now, the face bread, it's very important that we understand the face is the glory. And the table that would lift it up of Shatim, that table that lifted it up is the table. It's a ministry that lifts up the shoe bread. And it was changed out every Sabbath. 
And as it would change out, they would eat and replace the shoe bread. And the ministers would continually ministering there in the sanctuary until one time a year that all the high priests were moved out of the sanctuary in the daily uh, sacrifices that they did and the offerings. And only one man would go through. That man is that certain man. That certain man is the high priest. And we're called for that royal priesthood. The shadow of it is that we, the body of Christ, will be the instrument of God in the body, in the voice of many waters, the voice of a multitude. And it will be the voice of God and the oracles of God, that preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. Now, seven will be the stamp on it, the completion, God's perfect number. Why? Because we're coming unto perfection, unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Most of the Protestant churches have bought into the lie that we are already raptured in Revelation 4, verse 1, literally annulling the work of God and the work of the ministry. We are not raptured in Revelation 4, 1. We are coming to a higher level of glory, yes, but not a rapture. Now, we can make mistakes, and the Lord will correct us. It's called a chastening rod, that we will not be condemned with the world. That's what he's doing now. He's doing it in judgment. And he states that in Hosea 6, verse 1, come and let us return to the Lord. We've missed it. We, we have... Uh, a little leaven in that lump, which leaven the whole lump. So the Lord pulls a chastening rod out and the staff to correct, not to destroy us. But the covenant is beaten out with a rod and the appointed barley with a staff. He will not ever be turning the wheel of his cart on it that are the horsemen, which is the wrath of God. We're not appointed to the wrath of God. But it is essential that we understand that God does use this chastening rod and his staff to correct us, the body of Christ, so that we will not be condemned with the world. Now, we have bought into the Protestant religion. There, 95% of all Protestant churches and denominations throughout the world have bought into a pre-tribulation rapture and stating Revelation 4, verse 1, as that rapture. Well, when we take a look at it, we find that it's nothing said about a rapture or catching up to meet the Lord in the air. But it does say that there is things revealed to us. Things. That's certainly not the rapture. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Not the rapture. It's a higher level in the revelation of Jesus and faith. Faith is the substance of Substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen. The things are the things of faith. The things which are seen are temporal, temporary. They're going to pass away. The things which are not seen are eternal. And we're set our affection on the things above. Now, Jesus going to Jerusalem. 
There he's walked with the disciples as their uh, example, the way, truth, and the light for three and a half years. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's there to be crucified, taking away the sin of the world. And then he tells his disciples, I have many things, there's uh, those things of faith, I have many things to tell you disciples, but you're not able to bear them now. Why not? I mean, they went with Jesus, sold out, forsook all, gave up all, and yet they're still not able to bear it. They're in the wrong season. There are many things that will come unto the body of Christ coming unto perfection to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ before the Lord comes the second advent, the second time without sin and salvation for the salvation of his saints. So he says, I have many things. He's going to Jerusalem. there to be crucified. He's going to go before Pilate Cephas and Herod back and forth. But he says, I have many things to tell you disciples, but you're not able to bear them now, these things, the things of faith. But when the comfort of the Holy Ghost has come, so now he's saying the Holy Ghost is going to lead you. He'll speak of me. Because all that the Father has given is given unto me. In other words, Jesus has been glorified back with the Father's own self, with the glory he had with him before the foundation of the world. John 17, 5, in the true revelation of the real Jesus. Because we've missed that. God is taking out his rod and his staff. Not his wrath. We're not appointed to the wrath of God. But to correct us. A correcting rod and a correcting staff. And he says that in Isaiah 28. In that judgment laid to the line and righteousness to the plummet. He states there very simply in Isaiah 28. That the work of God is excellent in working. It's the wisdom of God for us, the body of Christ, to understand these things. The secret things are revealed unto the righteous. But the wicked cannot understand these things. They cannot enter into that faith. If they're in the world serving mammon, you cannot serve God and money. For either you hold one, despise the other, or gravitate hold of the one and hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, because all that's of the, the, the lust of money is the root of all evil, and that is the greed of man for the worldly things. The, the whole currency of this whole world is what motivates, what, what buys, what sells is money, but that's not what moves heaven. Faith only moves, moves God. The heavenly host only move at the name Jesus. And that's by faith. And therefore, it is those that love God will not gravitate and hold on to the world. They'll crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. Because the lust of the eyes, the pride of the life, and the lust of the flesh is of the world. And the world passes away with the lust thereof. All that your soul lusts after. So the person must make, the believer must make a choice or think he's going to go to a prosperity gospel and make heaven, which many 
many will be offended because and will not come into these into the true Jesus, the real Jesus, because those that will be rich in the prosperity gospel fall into divers lust in many hurtful, hurtful uh, lust of the flesh. And it says there, for the lust of uh, the, the love of money, the lust of the money, the love of the money is the root of all evil. If, if riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. Because those that will be rich fall into many hurtful lusts and diverse temptations. So we have to crucify the flesh with the infections of the lust. Now, if we fall into a false doctrine, God doesn't just immediately write us off and says, okay, that's it. I wipe my hands if you're going to hell. No, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, to believe God and obey him. Obedience unto righteousness. So he takes out a rod and a staff as a good shepherd. So he will not lose any of his sheep. The sheep know my voice, a stranger they will not follow. And he will not lose any of those that he has engraven in his hands. But he will use a rod and a staff to correct them. It's a chastening rod of God. And if he be without chastisement, of which all are partakers, and whom the Lord loveth, he chastens them, that we will not be condemned with the world. Now, no chastisement for the present time seems to be joyous, but afterward yields, us a, yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to be a partaker of Jesus, of his divine nature. That's the reason why we have a chastening rod, as Paul stated to us. But then he goes on and says, now in the last days, there will be some will depart from the faith. They'll get, give heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. He says that, that the Spirit speaketh expressly. Then of the latter days, some shall depart from the faith. 1 Timothy 4.1. It also says that the work of God and the way that he corrects his people is not to destroy us, but to correct us. It's profitable for reproof, rebuke, and correction so that we will not be condemned by the world. So we see in Isaiah 28, and he's talking about this work of judgment in the last days. Judgment to the lion, righteousness to the plummet, to reveal the height, depth, length, and width of Christ. It's all Jesus. It's all the revelation of Jesus, which is the last book in the Bible, your word of God. Now, with that said, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show, to reveal to his servants things. Now, it's the things of faith. He told his disciples, there's many things I want to tell you. You're not able to bear them now. Paul talking about it, talking about Moses' tabernacle that was dedicated in Passover, which the shadow was the receiving of the Holy Ghost in Acts, the second chapter. And that was right after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the feast of Passover, feast of unleavened bread, and the feast of first fruits. But then we come to Acts 2. Then we have the feast of weeks. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They were one mind and one accord, and suddenly came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. Filled the room where they were sitting. Cloven tongues of fire appeared and set on each one of them. 
They were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. That was an embryonic church. It started. Now it's going through the seasons from Pentecost unto, unto the seventh month of perfection, the Feast of Sevens, the Feast of Perfections. And that is the reason why only one time in the Word of God in the last day, what will befall thy people, according to the oaths of the tribes, that was given to us in Genesis 49, that Jacob prophesied over his people, as well as the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32 and 33, in the Song of Moses. And one time it says there, in the Song of Moses, let thy tombing and thy urine, and he inverts it. He calls the first last and the last first. Urim and Tumim is where it's always in the Word of God. And we know that that Urim and Tumim is Urim is the fire, lights. And the Tumim is perfections, plural. Tumim, plural, perfection. And his eyes were like fire. Jesus, there, those eyes, aim, it means it's for us in the fire of the Holy Ghost and the aim, the eyes, a fountain of an eye, coming unto perfection. Now, if I and I be single, the whole body is full of light. That is urine. And it brings forth to mean perfections. But it inverts it, reverses this in the Song of Moses. Let thy to mean and thy urine. And we've got the priesthood of Levi. Why one time? Because we've come unto perfection, and then that will what? Reveal the light of the world when gross darkness covers the people and gross darkness over the nations. The Lord said in Isaiah 60 that I will arise and be a light upon you, and you will be the light of the world. At that time, it will consummate in perfections. And that is according to the oath of the tribes. And that's the reason the order of the tribes changes from the battle order going out and given to us in Numbers 10 on the breastplate of judgment of the high priest to that which we're seeing in Revelation 7, a total different order. Now, we'll cover that in another podcast. Why? Because... The Lord is using that chastening rod to correct us. Get us back on course to those that have an ear to hear. Not, not that it's, it's done purposely. No man goes to a Bible college or seminary to be deceived. And, but it's tradition of the elders. It's been passed down. And we understand that. But the problem is that it's been passed down for years and years and years and centuries through ecumenical councils and synods in 325, D, 325 A.D. under Constantine, that it was considered to be the truth. Cardinals and presbyters were there. It's an ecumenical council, and they said, this is the truth, and gave us a Trinity doctrine, but not nearly the real Jesus. And then we had several other councils. We had the Council of Chalcedon, the Chalcedonian definition, 451 A.D., that the whole Protestant 
almost 100% of the Protestant religion today of the Protestant churches hold to that doctrine of Christ in their Christology, which is an error. Well, the closer we come to the coming of the Lord, the more the Lord is going to correct us. Not me, not Brother Beard, not anybody else. The Lord. The Lord's getting a hold of us. The Lord is going to use judgments. All his ways are judgments. Somebody said, why? Well, it's the judgments of God. That's why. Simply because we have uh, lost, what, our first love. We have jumped track. Not purposely. Not intentionally. But still. Deception. So the Lord will correct us to those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God loves all. I don't care if you're fundamentalist, Pentecostal, oneness, that trinity, I don't care what you are. God loves you. But he is holy. And he is true. He is faithful and true. God cannot lie. We can hold on to a lie and make heaven. That's the reason Paul said in Hebrews 4, take heed lest a promise slip any of you. You seem to come short of entering into his rest, not a denominational rest, but the rest, the eternal sabbaticals, Shabbat, of God. And one promise can keep us out because a little leaven, leaven of the whole lump, the devil knows that. But God knows that are his. Those that are his, he will lose none. But he'll correct us, and we're seeing the judgment in the world now. And God said there would. There would be kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. There would be earthquakes in diverse places, famine, pestilences, sword. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Why would it be beginning of sorrows? Birth pains that we, the church, would bring forth the real Jesus. How does he do it? With judgments. God's four sword judgments. Famine, pestilence, sword, and noisome beast. He states that. In Ezekiel, he states it in Jeremiah, he states it in all the prophets, major and minor prophets, all the way to Malachi. Why? So we will not be condemned with the world and have the real and behold the real Jesus. So that's what he's doing now. And it's going to be more and more to get our attention. We don't fail the test. We just get to take it again until we pass the test. And that's what he's doing now. So there's a work of God, the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4, 11 through 17, right there. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, it's a strange work. It's a profound, radical change than Pentecost. And we've got to walk in that light as he's in the light. Therefore, we've missed that mark. We've missed it. Not intentionally, not purposely, but through the tradition of the elders that made the word of God in none effect. So the Lord is arising to do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now, as we read it, he says that judgment I will lay to the line. You'll find that in Isaiah 28, 17. And I'm reading. Judgment also will I lay to the line, that is the horizontal, and righteousness to the plummet. That is the perpendicular. That will reveal the height, depth, length, and width of Christ in truth. All of it's to reveal truth, the weight, the truth, and the life. And the hail 
hell. It's you save hellfire and the judgments of God. Hellfire and brimstone. God fulfilling his word. We see that in this snow, hail, and fire. God fulfilling his word in Psalm 148. A time of snow. A time there of winter, in foul weather. In winter, when it's great tribulation. Such as never was, such was a nation neither, nor nor shall ever be again. And at that time, he says, the hail, what does it do? It will sweep away the refuge of lies, the refugees, the one that is pulled away from the truth in a refuge of lies, thinking we're okay. Well, God loves us, so we think, well, any old way will do. Everybody's going to heaven. That's just not so, neighbor. That's a lie. So God, because he loves us and does not want us to perish, uses judgment to the lion and righteousness to the plummet to reveal himself, the true Jesus, the true God, the true eternal life, so that we will not be condemned by the world, and says this hail is for one reason, to sweep. It's a broom. It sweeps away the refuge of lies. God's the besom, the broom, besom of destruction. And the waters there will overflow the hiding place. They're hiding out from God. They're trying to hide just like Adam did in the day that he sinned. A one man's disobedience his disobedience, and that brought forth sin, which reigned by death. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin. And he hid. Well, this is going to literally reveal and cover the hiding place where we've missed it. And all will know it from the least to the greatest. And he goes on and says, and your covenant with death shall be disannulled. We think, well, we're okay. But he said, there's a covenant. The covenant is Jesus, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. We think we're right. When the overflowing scourge, that is a chastening rod of God, shall pass through, then you shall be trodden down by it. Oh, my goodness. Now, if we repent and give God the glory, we're coming to the truth. If we don't, it will destroy us. And God's doing it now. We're seeing things in this earth, the world now, that we've never seen before. In the strong judgment, somebody said, well, there's a bubonic plague. There was this uh, many, many different, uh, this swine flu before and all that. Yes, but notice that it is accelerating. It's crescendoing. It's epoching. It's becoming greater than greater. And that's exactly what he said would happen. It's happening now. And then, in the... Uh, uh, January the 19th, 2019, and we coming out of four hours of preaching, having sl not slept for two days and nights, and ministering at a Maasai tribal church in Kenya, Africa, we have a visitation with the Lord that says, seal my people by my word. Seal? The apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7? It shocked us. It shocked me. I didn't know what to think, to, to, to do, Lord. He said, as I am, sending the angel from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. That means it's, it's dispatched. We're in the last of the last days, neighbor, and it's going to be evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. 
Somebody said, it's going to get better. Really? That's not what he said. He said, these evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse and a time's coming when you'll be hated of all nations. All of them. And some of you will be put to death. And that's not just Israel, friend. That's the ones that are called by his name, for his name's sake. That's in John 16. Well, we've been taught, well, that's just Israel after the flesh. We've been raptured out. And poor little nation Israel, they're going to give all this great tribulation. Oh, friend of mine, no. He warned us that. In John 16, he said, I have forewarned you should not be offended. Why? Because he said the time's coming. I'm telling you, it's ahead that they're going to lift you up out of the synagogues. They're going to cast you out. And some of you, the time will come when they will kill you, thinking that they did God a service. They think that serving God and killing you, mm, calling good evil and evil good. Why? Jesus said, because they will do this unto you. Because they have not known the Father, nor me. If you don't know me, Jesus said you don't know the Father. It's a one God message, not a trinity, not a, not a binary, two-ness, not a oneness doctrine. The man is God. And that's what he's going to reveal, and that's what he's doing in his judgments now. Those that will turn to him and seek him with the whole heart, diligently seek him, will find him in the real Jesus and they will know the real voice of God. My sheep know my voice, a stranger they will not follow. And they will know the voice of God and the leading of the Holy Ghost and will not doubt. Not of spiritualism, not of necromancers, not of familiar spirits that peep out of the dust. And I'm sure you've heard some of them. Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus, move tonight. Soft music in the background. Oh, Jesus said, no, what I've told you in the closet, you shout it from the housetop. We're talking about good old fashioned Holy Ghost preaching the word of God. And that is not whispering it and peeping mist from the dust of the, of the earth. Familiar spirits. Oh, they work miracles. Yes, they do. The Trinity does. A false doctrine, but he said these are three unclean spirits like frogs. Revelation 16, 13. We've missed it, but there are those that's going to come out and are coming out of Babylon, out of that Mr. Babylon, out of that false doctrine. And those are going to be the ones that God used, uses for the work of the ministry in these last days. And they're going to see plainly that the Lord is doing the work, not a devil. Now, some getting on there and rebuking everything and <laughs> hatching out uh, the coronavirus, commanded the, well, friend, uh, the Lord God. Even today, as he says, I'm sending this, I want you to know that he said in Hosea 6, I want you to return to me. I have torn you and I will heal you. I have smitten you, and I will bind you up. He comes about the revival then. He said, after the second day, I'll revive you. We've had many revivals over the years. 
over 2,000 years after two days. But in that third day, which we're in the third day now, 2021, well into the third day, he said, I will raise you up. Not a rapture. I will raise you up and you will live in my sight. That's face-to-face glory. That's unto perfection. That's to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Still not raptured yet because you will be the ones that will preach this everlasting gospel to all the world for a witness and all nations, then the end will come. As we see, if we follow him to know the Lord, well, why is he doing it? To get us to come and let us return to the Lord. We've missed the mark. So God in his mercy and grace is with his rod and staff chastening us to reveal the true Jesus, the real Jesus the real gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. And we're going to see more and more of it. And the gospel, the true gospel of the kingdom, this one that will be growing up as a stone hewn out of a mountain without hand, and it will grow and fill the whole earth. For the kingdoms, kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, regardless of who thinks that they are the rulers of these nations now. God will do it. Now, before he does it, he's going to reveal the revelation, the reveal Jesus Christ, who he is, the true God and eternal life, the Almighty, the Alpha and Omega, which is and was, which uh, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty, Revelation 1.8. That's what he's doing. Now, take a look at this work. It's a strange work. Bring to pass this act. It's a strange act. He's told he's our judgments of the line, righteousness to the plummet, height, depth, length, and width of Christ, only to reveal Jesus, the true God. Nothing more. And he says that this overflowing scourge, this time of judgment, what's it going to do? The time that it, this judgment, goes forth, it shall take you. For morning by morning shall it pass over. By day and by night, continuously, in other words. And it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. When you have understanding of it, you say, oh, my Lord, my God, my bowels, my bowels, I am so moved. The Lord stirs the host for the battle. Here he's doing it. We're seeing famine, pestilence, and plagues. Not only you know, the different flus, and now uh, COVID-19, Ebola, AIDS, on and on, earthquakes in diverse places, and more than the last 10 years than it's ever been in history, historically altogether, more now than ever before. And he said, for the bed, now the bed is your rest. Remember, in Hebrews 4, he said there, that we pray that a promise, not a singular promise, slip any of you. Don't let a promise slip. That you should seem to come short of entering into his rest. If Jesus had given a rest, he would not have spoken of another day. He spoke of another day. That it would come unto perfection. As he's going to the cross, he tells his disciples, I have many things to tell you, but you're not able to bear them now. But when the comfort of the Holy Ghost has come, he's going to speak of me. For all the Father's given is given unto me. And he will show you things 
Those are the things of faith. That's the testimony of Jesus. Things that must shortly come to pass. It's the revealing of Jesus. All these things are the revelation of Jesus, not an antichrist. It's Jesus Christ. And he's doing it now. And we can see the hand of God in it. He said, I've torn you. I'll heal you. I've smitten you. I'll bind you up. Turn to me. That's all he's saying. And he said, it's a vexation only to understand what God is doing. And he said, for the bed at your bed of breast is shorter than that a man can stretch himself on it. Well, a bed is shorter. That's your rest in the Holy Ghost, in the Word of God, that peace that passes all understanding. But now the bed is shorter. There, we're coming short of entering into his rest. Hebrews 4. This bed is shorter than we can lay ourselves on it. That is our rest in the Holy Ghost. You're sealed without Holy Spirit or promise until you receive the promised possession. Now, after you've that, you've heard the word of God. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, but you have to receive the word of God. And he says here, and the covering, you're covered. Your covering is the Lord Jesus. It's narrower. It's too narrow than, than that he can wrap himself in it. We're not totally covered. Well, what's the Lord doing? As we read on, this is Isaiah 28, verse 20. Uh, we go on to verse 20, 23, uh, sorry, 21. For the Lord shall rise up. Now, the Lord's rising up. We're not raptured, but the Lord is rising up. He is risen. He is showing forth his judgments. He's been quiet for a while. He's watched us go on our way. But now we're coming close to the end. We're coming close to the time he's going to gather his harvest into his barn, into his garner. It's time. So what is he doing? He's got to get our attention, and he's doing it. It's his responsibility for his sheep, and he's doing it. For the Lord will rise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, the hillock, that he may do his work. Not what anyone else tells us, a pre-tribulation rapture. There's a work of God. It's a strange work. It's an act that he's doing, the acts of the apostles. This will finish the acts of the apostles to the final amen. The book of apostles, the acts of the apostles, does not have an amen on it, the end. So be it. Why? Because it's still in operation. It's still going on. It's still, we're the living epistle. We're right now being in that book of remembrance that the Lord is making in heaven right now, that the saints that speak often one to another. And his bring to pass his work, his strange work, bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now he goes on and says, I'm going to reveal to you what it is. He says, now, therefore, be you not mockers. Don't mock it and say, oh, well, we're going to be raptured out of this thing pre-trip anyway. So don't, ah, forget it. Don't worry about no strange work from God. There's no strange work. God's not doing any act or strange act. There's no more acts of the apostles. There's no more glory that's going to be revealed in the saints. The Lord's just going to come and rapture us out of here, and that's it. 
even though we still have backbiting, strife, envy, hate, malice, are we still not yet carnal? But this work will perfect the body of Christ to where the Lord will come for this church without spot and without blemish, perfect in all her ways that has made herself ready. He goes on and says, notice that he goes on and says, therefore, be not mockers. Don't mock at it. Don't make fun of it. Lest your bands, the bands of your heart, be made strong. Well, hardened. Don't harden your heart. Somebody said, well, I've never heard that. My preacher hadn't preached that. My pastor didn't say anything. It's all just wonderful. We're getting blessed, and we got uh, lots of houses and lands and cars and air conditioning and plenty of gasoline. Well, just give it a little while. God's doing it right now. Why? To get our attention. To turn to the real God. To correct the error of our ways. To walk in righteousness. This is a highway of holiness that no fool will err therein. A correcting rod of God. He goes on and says, For I have heard, this is Isaiah talking, I have heard from the Lord God of hosts, a consumption, a consuming fire, a consumption, even determined in either city, no, even determined upon the whole earth. Oh, earth, 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 hear you the word of the Lord. It's upon the whole earth. There's not a nation that will escape of it. There's not a people anywhere that will escape. This will overcome, it will, it will literally overflow the hiding place. This thing has surprised the hypocrite. He said so. They had no idea that God would do a work like this. And yet he's doing it. And he says, now, here's what I want you to do. Give your ear and hear my voice. Hearken and hear my speech. It's a voice of the Lord. Doth, he says, now, does the plowman plow all day to sow? Is that all God's going to do is just keep plowing the ground just to sow some seed for a harvest? Isn't there going to be, isn't there going to be a harvest someday? And does he open and break the clods of his ground? He's plowing it. And reap, uh, uh, plowing the ground in mercy, reaping righteousness. Break up your fallow ground. And when he have made plain the face thereof. What face? The face? The face is always the glory. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Face is the glory. When Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, that face is the glory. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 3. Then he goes on and says, but we have this treasure in earth and vessels. Wait a minute. We do. Yes, now we're understanding. It's a work in and through the body of Christ, which will consummate in the coming of the Lord, in the day of the Lord God Almighty. That consuming fire, that consumption decreed is upon the whole earth. God's decreed it, that that is determined, will happen. 
He's promised it. He said so. Paul said so in Hebrews 12. He said, look, and there's a time that God shook the earth only in the exodus of Israel from Egypt. They came to Sinai, their Pentecost, their Feast of Weeks. And at that time, God descended upon the Mount Sinai and it smoked and it burned with fire. And they heard the voice of the Lord as a voice of a trumpet getting louder and louder. It's crescendoing more and more. The same he's doing today. It's a warning. Blow that trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain to my people. And cry last for the day. The day of the Lord's coming. It's nigh at hand. We need to sure examine ourselves to make sure that we're in the faith that was once delivered to the saints. All truth, not partial truth, all truth. Because the heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restitution of all things, all truth. The new wine, the new wineskins, the new thing that God will do. Acts 3, 20 and 21. Jesus is not coming back until all things are restored. He said so. Said it again in, in Matthew 17, Mark 8, on the Mount of Transfiguration. They said, why do the disciples of John, John the Baptist, say that Elijah must come first? Must first come. And Jesus stated, Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. Restore what? All things, all truth, all things of faith. Holy Ghost is to lead us and guide us into all truth, not partial truth, and not in the sweet by and by. Now, that's the Holy Ghost job. That's Jesus. That's his spirit. That's the Father of glory in you. Timothy, well, I didn't know it was a father. Yes, it is. There's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who's above all, Father of us all and in us all. That is Jesus. When Jesus was in the world, he told his disciples, I'll pray the Father sends you another comforter whom the world cannot receive. The world can't receive this because it seeth him not and even knows it. But you know it, for he dwells with you. I'm walking with you, disciples, and I shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus stated, I'm coming to you. It's expedient that I go away. If I don't go away, the comfort of the Holy Ghost will not come. Why? Because Jesus will be glorified, and that man made that quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. And that's where we have missed the mark in the true, real Jesus. Many years ago, we wrote a book, Behold the Real Jesus. Why? The Lord is wanting to get our attention. And he's going to use judgment, all his ways are judgment, and going to continue until the body of Christ comes unto the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus unto a perfect man. And when that happens, he's going to put in the sickle and reap his harvest. He talked about this plowing, sowing the seed, the word of God. Well, uh, this... The man went forth sowing seed. And we find there's four different grounds. There's only one that fell on good ground. The other 
it fell by the wayside, no root, and immediately the devil come take the word. At the, the word was sown, but it had no, no worth. There was no place in the heart and the spirit of that man to receive it. Then it fell among thorns. Well, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Many there have erred, made error, thinking that gain was godliness. They think because you've got money in a bank account, that's godliness. That's not godliness. When you look at Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, and the word of God, we find that these were dwelling in caves, dwelling in caves, going about clothed with sheepskins, goatskins, yeah, and of whom the world was not worthy. They didn't have bank accounts and 401ks, profit sharing, pension, profit sharing, stock, bonds, uh, portfolio. They did not have that. They were sold out to follow Jesus, except the man forsaken all that he hath. He cannot be my disciple. All through the word of God, it states that. And he says here that that, that word choked, that it's choked by the cares of this world. Then some fell uh, there, and uh, it said, because when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, then by and by they are offended and do what? Bring forth no fruits unto what? Unto perfection? Surely the Lord doesn't mean that. He doesn't want to come unto perfection. Well, it falls by the wayside, some among thorns, and some, there he said, they're upon stones. It has, what? Those stony ground. What happens there? He said, the, the tribulation, the cross. We have a crossless Christianity today. A crossless Christianity? Yes. We're not told that we're going to have to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. You go to some little uh, pastor that comes to a church and have hundreds of thousands sitting there listening to him uh, to, and saying that you're going to be blessed with finances as you think and grow rich. So will you have it? What the man can conceive and believe it can, can achieve a mind gospel. I am. I am all that I say I am. Nonsense. They're building up their own selves. Not building up God. They're building up themselves. I am this. I am that. Well, that's what the devil said. The devil said, I will ascend to the sides of the earth. I will be like God. And he said the seven eyes there in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel, uh, we find the same thing in Ezekiel 28. I, 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 I. We're building up the I rather than crucifying it, crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust. We're told we can build it up. Think and grow rich. <laughs> What the man can conceive and believe, he can't achieve. Yeah, it's a soul gospel. It's not the spirit of God. It's a soul realm, serving God in the soul, not in spirit and in truth. Forget that. We want the money, and they're deceived. Well, 
That's what he said. Follows on stony ground. Then tribulation and persecution arises. Why? For the word's sake. Because you have a word, the word of God, and you will not deny it. You stand for it. And when you do, you have persecution. People lie on you, rail on you. Every true minister, every true ministry in the Lord will have liars and cheats, and they'll do everything they can to destroy you, just like they tried to destroy Jesus. And the world will believe it. They want to believe it. They don't, they don't want to say a man's got the truth. They want, to, they want to throw it out. Makes the flesh feel better. They glorify in your flesh. They glory in your flesh. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And it'll be perils of brethren. Jealousy, rage, envy, strife, hate, malice. They'll try to overthrow you, try to take your men, do everything they can. You'll have it. And, and ministers, just get used to it. It's going to be there. Do you hold your reputation and try to defend you? No. You speak the word, those that follow the word will follow you. They kept my word, they'll keep yours. You don't try to go out there and uh, they said they, uh, you, you hit them on the cheek, they turn the other cheek also. They do not resist the evil. The people of God do not resist the evil. They give way to judgment. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And by doing that, God's glorified. Meekness is not weakness. And that's another misnomer. Meekness is where you serve God in all, regardless. Well, tribulation, persecution arises for the word's sake. By and by, they're offended. Why is this happening to me? Well, you're standing for God. He said, if they call the master of the house, Beelzebub, prince of the devils, prince of the flies, so will they also call you Beelzebub. And he said, I forewarned you. John 16, they're going to deliver you out of the synagogues and churches, catching your name out for evil, <laughs> calling good evil and evil good. Yeah, the time comes that whosoever kills you will think that it is dead God of service. These things they'll do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. If they'd have known the Lord Jesus, they'd have known he's the Father. And God's correcting us now for those that have an ear. All you have to do is say, God, are you doing that? Let me diligently seek you. And you get down on your knees and you mean, you mean business with God. You ask, you're going to find. You seek, you're going to, is, you're going to find. Knocking will be open to you. Asking will be given you. And when you do and you seek God for God with all your heart, you're going to find that we have been following cunningly devised fables for years to the tradition of the elders. Does that mean we're lost? It means that we must correct ourselves into the truth that he is revealing now. That's it, simply. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I don't care who we are. God wants us saved, but we have to obey. And it says here, when he's made plain the face of that ground, Isaiah 28 and verse 25, 
when he's made plain the face thereof, the glory thereof. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. Well, the treasure is hid in Christ. In him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything God is, was, ever will be. Jesus Christ manifest. God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16, the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. Colossians 2, 1 through 9, he's revealing it now that we've missed the mark. And those that seek God will find that. They shone for that glory in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. For the Lord is that spirit. Oh, we think, no, he's part of that spirit. He's one third of that spirit. No, the Lord Jesus is that spirit. Second Corinthians three seventeen, And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now, what do we do? We all with open face, beholding is in a glass. We threw a glass. We, we see through a glass darkly now. But the path of the justice as a shining light that shines more and more into the perfect day. The more closer we get to the coming of Jesus, the more light we're going to see through that glass that was darkly is going to become more light and more light until then finally face to face we will know even as we're known of him unto a perfect man and that is the face. We all with open face, we must be open to it. I've asked people sometimes, if I can show you the truth, would you be willing to follow it? And they'll say, no, I've been in this church. My granddad, grandmom were in this church. I've been in this denomination. My mom and dad were in this denomination, and I'm going to be in this denomination till the day I die. Well, that's not an open face. There's not much you can do. Only the, uh, the, the sick need a physician. <laughs> if they've already got it, well, there's nothing you can do. But the ones that are seeking, knowing there's more, the judgments of God being manifest in the earth, what's going on now? Why? Anyone that has... Any idea of current current events realizes that God is going to take God, our Lord Jesus, to turn things around, and he will in his time. But until then, it's going to wax worse and worse to get us to turn to the real, true God, Jesus Christ, in his revelation, which is the last book in your Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, given to us to know the servants of God, things which must shortly come to pass. It's sent and signified, sealed by his angel unto John. And we all with open face, we have to be open to it. Behold us in a glass, as in a glass, the glory, not part glory, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image, the exact image, not something less. And somebody says, well, I, I was told we can't do that. We can't come into perfection. Well, then Jesus told us something and commanded us to do something we can't do. He said in Matthew 5, be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Mm. That's a commandment. 
And there he gave us a fivefold to get us there. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, full grown, weaned from the milk, skillful in the word of righteousness, knowing who Jesus is. And grace works and reigns through righteousness. There, that's open face. We're changed into the same image from glory to glory. Don't be settled at ease in Zion. Go on and get that glory. Lay hold upon that hope. Add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, uh, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. Charity is a love for God and keeping his commandments. Charity is not love. Love is I love you. I can love in word and in tongue. But charity is loving God in deed and in truth. It's a manifest love for God, not just spoken, but manifest. The manifested love of God in and through the body of Christ is charity, which will cover a multitude of sins. Why? Because through obedience unto righteousness, it's the bond or guarantee of perfectness. What's guaranteeing you're going to be perfect? Charity. Come to sing to men of low estates, low estate, bearing you one another's burden, so fulfilling the law of Christ, that charity abounding one toward another. That is the bond, the guarantee of perfectness that you will get there. I will get there. We will be made perfect in our Lord Jesus Christ. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they, all that died in faith, never having received the promise, without us who have come unto the fullest of the measure of the statue of Jesus should not be made perfect. When the body of Christ is perfected, it'll perfect the whole body of Christ all the way up. And the Lord will put in his sickle and reap his harvest. There, when he's made plain the face, the plain face of Jesus, what happens then? Doth he not cast abroad the pitches? That's the scattering of the holy people for a time, times abiding the time. And then, for three and a half years, 42 months, 1,203 score days, and then the end will come, and all these things will be finished. Daniel 12. He'll accomplish to scatter the power of the holy people. Not just natural Israel, the church, the Israel of God. The, the Jew, not one outwardly in the circumcision of the flesh, but he is a Jew that is one inwardly. Circumcision of the heart and the spirit, whose praise is not a man but of God. Romans 2, 28 and 29. The Israel, there, not all Israel is Israel. We see that, that Paul talking about that Israel of God, not replacing the nation Israel, but the church, the spiritual Israel. There are the church, the spiritual Israel, and the nation Israel. Both will be saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Howbeit, the church is the bride of Christ. The nation of Israel is the nation of Israel. Now, when we see, and that's another, if you have a question on that, please go to the podcast on Israel. There, after he's made plain the face thereof, he's going to scatter the, now watch what he says, scatter abroad the pitches, the seed, 
and scatter the cunning and cast in the principal wheat and the appointed barley, not just barley, the appointed barley, that what you're called for. God has dealt to everyone the measure of faith. He's calling you to bring it forth. You're appointed unto this. You're appointed to the work of the ministry. Every one of us in the body of Christ, the appointed barley and the rye in their place. Every one, members in particular, building up the body of Christ, doing their individual ministry in their place. I can't say the foot, I have no need of thee. God has put the more abundant honor on the less comely parts. There'd be no chism in the body or division in the body. Watch it. Now, here is where we'll end the podcast. And it says, for his God, the body of Christ, doth instruct him. Are we being instructed today? Not very much. Our God does instruct us to discretion, to be discreet, and doth teach him to be taught of God. What is it? Here he says, for the fitches are not threshed with a threshing instrument. Neither is a cart wheel turned about upon the coming. That is the, the, the people of God, the harvest of God, the wheat and the barley harvest and all, a harvest of oil and wine. Whilst the body of Christ will not be appointed unto wrath. He's not going to take the wheel of the cart and turn it upon us. He's not going to thresh us with that threshing instrument. That's the wrath of God. Well, why is this other stuff happening then? What's this chastening rod of God? I've tore you. I will heal you. I've smitten you. I'll bind you up. Why is he doing that? What's this chastening rod of God for? It tells you here. He said, but the fetches are beaten out with a staff. There's a staff of God. And the coming, the body of Christ, that harvest, with a rod. There's the rod and staff of God. Not for our destruction. The rod and the staff comfort you. It's also for chastening, so that you will not be condemned by the world. Thank God for the rod and the staff. The shepherd, the instruments of a shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. And he goes on and says, we must understand bread corn is bruised. Bread corn is bruised. He will bruise their head. Now take a look at that. Bread corn is bruised. Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. By stripes were healed. He was bruised. And we will be bruised. Not pointed to wrath, but the chastening rod of God. And he said, bread, corn is bruised. Just like Jesus, whenever he came out, he said, sir, we'll see Jesus. We would see Jesus. Jesus didn't walk outside and say, hey, how you doing? I'm Jesus Christ. He said, except a grain of corn die, it abideth alone. What? Why is he talking this way? Because he's given this principle right here. Bread corn is bruised. He's telling us what? Except a grain of corn die, it abideth alone. But if it dies and be planted, as here, it will bring forth much fruit. So the death of the saints in shedding their blood 
The blood of the saints, then, is the seed for the church. The more you persecute it, the greater it will grow. Because the blood speaks better things than that of Abel, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. He tells you, you're in the Lord Jesus. Bread corn is bruised. You're going to be bruised. Because, why? Because you're not appointed to wrath. He's not going to let you die under the wheel, the cartwheel of the wrath of God Almighty up of the chariot. You're not appointed to that. Bread corn is bruised because, why? He will not ever be threshing it. He's not going to thresh you under the wrath of God, nor break it with the wheel of his cart. That cart is, a, is the, the wheel that he bides in the cherubim between the cherubim of glory, and the wheel is the judgment wrath of God Almighty. And he treadeth the winepress of the wrath of God alone. His garments dipped in blood. Treadeth out the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God alone up to the horse's bridle. And says, nor will he bruise it with his horsemen. We're appointed to the rod and the staff because he's not going to appoint us to wrath to destroy us. So thank God for the rod and the staff. It is uncomfortable for the present stress. Yes, it is. No chastising, chastening, chastisement for the present time seemeth to be joyous. But afterward, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness in the divine nature of God, being a partaker of it. That rest of God, which we are called for, that bed that you can't stretch yourself on it, and a covering that will cover you and not be short or more narrow that it cannot cover you or the bed shorter that you cannot stretch yourself on it. That's the point of it. Now, Isaiah said, for bread, this also comes forth from the Lord of hosts. What does he say about it? Which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. God knows what he's doing. He's got a rod and a staff. That's for us. The wheel of the cart and the threshing instrument, the wrath of God. That's for the wicked. All we have to do is hear and heed the voice of God in these days, the last of the last days. And he will bring us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And not only will we be, we be justified by faith, we will be glorified. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, our vile body, fashioned like unto his glorious body, the whole creation moaneth and groaneth in pain to be delivered into the glorious liberty of the sons of God, the manifested sons of God. And not only they, but we which also have the first fruits of the Spirit do groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our bodies. So why is all this judgment? Why all the COVID? Why all the Delta variant, the Lambda, and all of this, Ebola, AIDS, HIV, all of this, waxing worse and worse, crescendoing, accelerating, because all God's ways are judgment. It'll be for a rod and a staff for us that heed the voice of God, making ourselves meet vessels meet for the master's use, crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust, and 
worshiping God in spirit and, and in truth, receiving this truth, being corrected of our error, are he that being often reproved, stiff as in his neck, hardens his heart, will be cut off and that without remedy. Well, the choice is ours. We want to bring this word and get to know you. Uh, right now, we have our own gospel tent. We travel. We'll come to your area. We'll throw a gospel tent up. We'll come to your church. We'll have a revival. We'll bring this word. We will be one in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the unity of the faith. We'd like to get to know you. Give us a call. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906. Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. We want to meet you and become one with you. Know then the labor among you. Let's all strive together. Pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, striving to enter in the straight gate. And there the way, straight is that gate that leads them through life. You there be that find it. You will find it. God's showing it now, revealing it now. He does not want any of us to perish, but all to come to repentance. We've left our first love. We kind of jumped track. God will put us back on track. He's doing the work now. It's a work of judgment. Judgment to the lion. Righteousness to the plummet. You have questions? You can message us or shoot us a question on our websites. Sealinggodspeople.org sealinggodspeople.com or dennisbeard.org Thank you for your prayerful support, your generous offerings. Thank you those that are sending in your generous offerings. That does keep the podcast going over the air. And we pray over that seed that you've sown to us and manifest it back to you, multiply it back to you. Some 30, 60, and 100 fold that you will abound to every good work and God supply the wants, not just your needs, but the wants of the saints in this ministry of giving and receiving that you abound in this grace also. And thank you for doing that. We certainly count it an honor and are very humble that you would count us in this word to be the true word of God. Well, until the next one, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.